on my lipstick and saying you know it was pretty and then she was like this is what they're gonna do for Clara we're going to get an internship with the website and we'll start with her on Monday and I was like oh my god oh my god I remember like dancing down the Champs Elysees listening to Kirk Franklin like that was like oh what (laughs) what It was just one of those moments. I've had a few of those moments in my life where I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Thank you, God. Claire Salmers is the founder and CEO of the notorious digital fashion publication, Fashion Bomb Daily. Her ascent into becoming one of the industry's top self-made media moguls was not an easy one often met with industry gatekeepers who refused to give Claire a seat at the table, the Stone Mountain, Georgia native built her own. Equipped with an unrelenting dream and her Harvard degree in French and African American studies, Claire charted her own path by taking internships and positions at publications like Upscale Magazine, Newsweek, and Real Simple, where she actually built a fashion empire from her cubicle. I had an opportunity to sit down with Claire to discuss her unique career path, her quest to show the diversity of Black fashion, and the importance of putting God first. Check out our conversation. Welcome to a fashion moment. I am so excited to have you here. And just watching your career over the years, just like blow up has been phenomenal to watch (laughs) because I remember you from back in the day, like when you first started, probably like I met you like maybe a year after you started. It was like very, very new. And I was just like, oh my God, there's a black girl, like, (laughs) like a fashion like what and I was just like oh my god like like you were you were one of the only people doing it the way that you did it at the time like it it was crazy I know I know it was it's been a long long and wonderful journey and I love to see how much the industry has shifted and changed to be more inclusive and I really hope that I was one of those people that helped to push that movement movement forward. You know, uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you were one I of the first. Take, <laughs> I don't want to take all the credit, but you know, I um, mean, there was, there was <laughs> only a handful. There was only a handful because you know, for the black folks like me who who wanted to be in the industry or were you know just getting their their career started, like we were constantly looking like is there anyone who looks like me in here? Like who's doing what, you know? So it was like, you know, folks like yourself. And I was like obsessed with Bonnie Morrison, you know, who does fashion oh, yeah. PR. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, she, and she, she was on the show as well. Like I'm obsessed. It's like Bonnie. Oh my God. Like it was, it was phenomenal because she was one of the Bonnie. first people. You know, yeah, Genevieve Jones. Yeah. Oh my God, Genevieve. I think she's like right. doing yoga now, like living her best life. Like there's so many. Um, who's the other wow. one? Wow. Oh, there's there so, so many. many. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. But anywho, I would love to start at the beginning of your journey. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's start with 
you know, what was life like growing up in Stone Mountain, Georgia and, and Atlanta at one point? Like, what was that like, the early days of Claire? The early days of Claire was living in Stone Mountain, Georgia, which sounds really country and rural, <laughs> but it's actually let's say 30 minutes outside of Atlanta proper. So mm-hmm. I guess you could consider it Atlanta proper. Um, going to high school, clear across town in the fancy part of town in Buckhead, being one of four Black kids out of a hundred in fourth wow. grade, wow. moving from <laughs> Brooklyn, New York, where I went to a majority Black public school, to now being at this majority white private school and trying to find my footing and also living in a totally different, like I was 45 minutes away from school. So I just spent a lot of time reading, a lot of time writing, a lot of time in magazines, fashion magazines. I used to have subscriptions to all of them (laughs) and always being one of those people at the very beginning being like, where's a girl that looks like me? I'm not not cute. I don't see anybody who represents this chubby girl with glasses who's staring back at them and wanted to just be that change from a very young age. So, so, you know, what was your very first like fashion memory? Like when were you introduced to fashion to the point where you're just like, Oh my God, I love this. Well, fashion's in my family. My maternal grandfather, he was a tailor in that Yeah, and he owned a tailor shop called Boogs Master's Touch. So he made suits and tuxedos for special occasions, people in the Bahamas. And my mother, she grew up making dolls for, not dolls, she grew up making dresses for dolls and stuff like that. And then when my mom and her family moved to New York, she went to the high school for fashion industries. Oh, wow. She would make her own clothes. She used to make clothes for me as well. And so fashion wasn't one of those things that was like whimsical or only in the pages of Vogue. It was very practical and, you know, just a sewing machine and and fabric and a needle and thread. And my mom, she would always say, like, I developed early. I had like a size C cup when I was 13. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my (laughs) Claire! Always been curvy. Woo! Bra shopping. I'm like, my goodness. Yes. And so she used to make clothes for me a lot when I was a young lady. And um, so it's in my blood. It's in my blood. But me kind of thinking about it as a career and moving into that sphere, it's more of a recent thing. It was after college, going into journalism. Oh, we got to We got to back up because y'all know. Most of you guys know, but some of you guys may not know that Claire has attended Harvard University and she studied <laughs> French and African American studies. I have to ask though, personally, yeah. what was it like, you know, studying under one of my favorite people on the planet, Henry Louis Gates, the Henry Louis Gates Jr. and Cornell West? It was awesome. It was, it was like the the best of times. I mean, who wouldn't want to study under Henry Louis Gates and Cornell West and all the stuff that I was learning about in school is stuff that's still relevant to this day. It's, it's actually kind of sad that the country hasn't moved further, much further than that. But um, it really kind of lit, lit a fire under me. And that's where the, the quest for equal representation and 
positive representation and showing the diversity of Black people, that's where that comes from. It's from those classes with Cornel West and Evelyn Higginbotham and <gasps> states. I mean, they had some all-stars there when I was Claire. in <laughs> Oh my God. Do you still have it like your notebooks, like all the notes you took? Honestly, I'm sure my mom still has them. <laughs> I'm sure she does. She's like that. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, in a previous interview, you mentioned that your education actually helped to fuel your confidence. And so, you mm-hmm. know, for those who want to work in fashion, does, would you say like getting an education makes an impact on one's success in the industry? Is it needed? I get that question a lot. I get the question about, you know, why'd you go to Harvard to study fashion mm-hmm. and my typical retort is when I was 18, I didn't know what I wanted to do yeah. and I got into Harvard. So I went, um, yeah. but I would say in general, in fashion, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that much. You know, what matters more is your work experience, your connections, your work ethic, um, your creativity. But I would say that as a person of color, a, a black woman, if you can come armed with as many missiles in your arsenal, as you can so that you know people will continue to try to deny you and this is not a revolutionary statement this is fact yeah (laughs) it's fact that we get paid less it's fact that we don't get access to the same opportunities so if you can just arm yourself with whatever education you can find and it doesn't need to be like you know, a graduate degree or anything like that, but be like, oh, by the way, I know you say that my website is not credible. However, Hmm. you know, I did go to Harvard and and graduate magna cum laude. It's just one of those things where you can whip it out when, when necessary, but I don't lead, I never lead with that. Um, You know, it's more so about the work that I've done and what I've built. I love that. Like get, get those missiles, y'all get those missiles. That too. I mean, we have to, and, and it's interesting because I was just having a conversation the other day with someone about, you know, when you post photos on Instagram, specifically wow. on fashion bond daily and God bless fashion bond daily readers. I love them, you know, yes. but if, for example, someone was wearing this beautiful dress and then somebody was like, but those toes though. And oh, like, come on. <laughs> You know, you know how our people are, though. You know, I know, but you we know. have to be so perfect. We have mm. to be, and it's it's unfortunate that it's that way. But mm. for me, I'm always like, when I step outside, I want to be on point. Everything, like you want to have everything, every any any box you can check off. Just yeah. go ahead and check it off. Um, yeah, I love that. So, yeah. so you you go to Harvard, you graduate. Like, what was your first job out of college? Right. So I initially wanted to work in TV. I could not find a job in TV. I moved back home to Atlanta. I was partying around, working in retail for a little bit. And then I got an internship at Upscale Magazine. I was in Kroger one day. I saw a cool uh, magazine. I picked it up. I looked on the, the, what's it called? The mass head. The mass head. Oh my God. Almost said letter. All good. It's a Friday. It's a Friday. (laughs) Right. I'm like, anyway, I looked on the mass head. I saw a name. I emailed them. They called me in. 
And I thought I wanted to go into the politics or news division. They said we have an opening in fashion. And I went for it. They paid me nothing, zero dollars and zero cents, which was fine because I was excited to be there and um, just worked my way up from writing captions to writing cover stories. They actually wanted to hire me, but I had my sights set on New York because I really wanted to work in, in magazines and I had some boy I was dating up in New York that I also wanted to hang out with. And so, um, yeah, after Upscale, I moved to New York. I found every paid internship I could find, which was difficult. Um, But I worked at New York Magazine. That was $5.15 an hour. You're taking me back. I remember when, yes, yes. You guys, you guys, I'm telling you with these new laws and everything, y'all got it good. Y'all got it good. I know. Cause we just tried to hire somebody. She was like, skirt, um, minimum wage is that, that, that. I was like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, fine then. Um, but yeah, I, I worked for $5 and 15 cents coming up. Wow. And then the next one was Newsweek where I think it was like $10 an hour. Then I was a page for two seconds. And then I finally found a full-time job at Real Simple Magazine as a researcher reporter, which wasn't like, it was a great job, but it wasn't exactly where I wanted to be. But I was just so tired of interning and not having health insurance and not having weekends or vacations. I was like, and so it was great. And Real Simple is really where everything started for for me in terms of, um, just the fashion bomb. Like I started fashion bomb in my cubicle at real simple magazine. (laughs) And, um, 15 years later, here I am. Yeah. Wait. So, so did you start, uh, fashion bomb daily before you moved to France? Yeah. Yep. So I started it in 2006. Okay. And I would say that by 2008, it got to the point where people were recognizing me on the train as I was going to work. Yeah. And I was doing interviews on the phone while I was at work. I was I was doing my blog at work. Like when I first started blogging, I would do it over the weekends or in the evenings like you're supposed to do. But then it got so all encompassing and it got popular, I guess, enough where I was updating on the job. And I remember my boss would walk by my cubicle like, what are you working on? (laughs) Nothing. That is hilarious. Yeah. Um, So it got to the point where I wasn't finding a way up or I I was trying to get into the fashion department at at the magazine I was working at. They weren't trying to hear me. I was applying to Vogue and Elle and Allure and they weren't trying to hear me either. And so I was like, I have this degree in French. I always wanted to live in Paris for a long amount of time. I can justify like starting at the bottom at a fashion magazine if I move abroad. And Mm. so I, I quit my job and I, I moved to Paris in 2008. Wow. With $2,000 in your pocket. $2,000, like a nutcase and shopping <laughs> and doing all kinds of stuff, not knowing how to budget. Oh, oh my goodness. Hey, but you learn, but you learn. What was it like working at Vogue Paris? Was that your first gig in, in France or did you do something else? 
My first gig in Paris, I believe I found a job teaching businessmen English. It was through a company that, that just, you know, hired Americans or English speakers to teach people English. And so I did that. And I also taught English at the school in Les Banlieues, which is in the (laughs) suburbs. They were these high school students and I would come in like, I'm not a good teacher. I would what? have them watch Red Beauty or something and be like, watch this. And I would just too funny. I cannot. <laughs> just doing silly stuff and not making enough money and whatever, yeah. you know, the typical stories. Um, but then finally it was, it was kind of miraculous where I got this internship at Paris Vogue. Uh, they had this incident where they were one of the first magazines to do blackface. There was this whole yeah. stretch of time when magazines were doing blackface. Everybody was calling Paris Vogue racist. I yeah. took that opportunity to write them a letter. Wow. And um, I got a, a meeting with Corrine Rotfeld and <gasps> she she gave me an internship with Vogue Point FR with, it, with, with their um, online online. So, first of all, what was she wearing? What did you wear? And then what was she wearing when you, when you guys first met? Like, that's amazing. That's a great question. Mm, I don't know if I remember. Um, I think I was wearing like a black dress, probably Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. Zara, probably Mm -hmm. some sort of blazer. I really can't remember. I think I just did all black. Yes. Very French. Yeah, you know, just she, you know, if you get a black dress from Zara, it can look very expensive and elevated. And I think she was wearing all black too, mm-hmm. if I can recall correctly. I don't know, but I remember she remarked on my my makeup. <gasps> and mind you, this is like Claire, this is pre-super duper beat glam Claire. This is pre-blonde locks Claire. This is like <laughs> I remember that Claire. That, that's yeah, a Claire like, I met. <laughs> yeah, little tiny dreads, like yeah. no idea about contouring, like no eyebrows, probably definitely no lashes. Mm-hmm. But you know, I did my best. And yeah. I remember she remarked on my my lipstick and saying, you know, it was pretty. And then she was like, This is what they're gonna do for Claire. We're going to get an internship with with the website, and we'll start with her on Monday. And I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" I remember like dancing down the Champs Elysees, listening to Kirk Franklin. Like that was like, "Oh shit! What? (laughs) What? Move, move out of the way, Emily in Paris! Like this needs, like this needs to be a show. Like I love that that visual. (laughs) Oh my god! Wow, Claire." It was just one of those moments. I've had a few of those moments in my life where I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Thank you, God. And that was one. Yes. I have a random (laughs) French question. Yeah. I I did study in Cannes and that's sort of where I I practiced my French. But when I came back, I was like, you guys, is it Moet or Moet? I could have sworn it was Moet. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you know the French don't like to pronounce none of them letters. Right, right. <laughs> so when I was here, it's like Moe, and people are like, huh? Huh? <laughs> like yeah, I was like, no, Americans mispronounce most things. <laughs> so so what would you say is one of the most defining differences like between your life when you lived and worked in France versus your life in the States? 
I mean, the sky is a truly the limit when it comes to living in the United States. And I'm sure things are different now, perhaps with Instagram and TikTok and so many ways to reach out and and touch the world and become an entrepreneur through a digital media Uh medium. But, you know, I really wanted to like my dream was to work at Paris Vogue full time, not just intern there. And my dream was to be one of those fashion editors you see. And it just wasn't possible for me. And I don't, I don't know why that was not to Hmm. discount the experience at all. Yeah. And in the, in the States, I don't know if it's the same. I I know things have changed a lot, but um, I would say that in America, as long as you have a good idea and as long as you have a work ethic, it doesn't matter who you are, where you were born, what size you are, what race, (laughs) how much money you have, like you really can achieve anything you want. And we've seen that in so many different instances, whether it's Oprah or Diddy or any, any of the people that I look up to, you know what I mean? Like they Uh can can come from absolutely nothing and turn it into something. Whereas I, I don't think in, in France, I didn't feel like it was the same way. Yeah. Like, more like old it's very old and it's established and uh-huh. whoever's rich they're they're from rich people and you know and it's yeah. kind of like stays that way but in America you can you can be whatever you want to be yes absolutely and honestly in France that was the first time I saw like old old money like like colonial mm-hmm. money it was like oh, whoa yes. my goodness like castles they're like oh yeah that's my home it's been in my family for generations i'm like what right. exactly <laughs> wild exactly. so so what were you surprised to learn about yourself from your experience in france in general i think just that that determination and grit hmm. and and just going for it you know i I, when I moved to Paris, I knew two people. Wow. I, there was no way I, I could have got, gotten into Paris Vogue or into any fashion show. And I asked, I asked people, I asked editors, <laughs> I, I, I asked for connections. I, I was not ashamed or hesitant to do so. Yeah. But, you know, when I heard no too many times, I just turned up, you know, and I, I went to that show, even if yeah. you told me not to. And I stood outside and I met Kanye and I went to the Jean-Paul Gaultier show and I just did it. I just wow. did it because because I, I felt like I had to do it. Uh-huh. And even though I'm sure it, it ruffled a few feathers, I just <laughs> went for it. Um, and, and so I think that experience just showed me my my persistence and consistency it also taught me so much about faith like I got my faith and hope because I I felt like it was just God looking out for me at every stage and I remember being on my knees and praying praying for a breakthrough and and it came and it made absolutely no sense and it was really just by the grace of God that everything happened Thank you, God. Yes, I felt that, Claire. I felt that. Gotta give the glory, honey. Okay, don't, 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 don't get them shouting on my podcast now. Because <laughs> a oh lot of goodness. people, and and this is something that I used to do, mm-hmm. um, specifically before we experienced our Instagram incident in 2018, which yeah. is I used to take credit for everything. Wow. And I was like, I did it. I work hard. It was my team and me, me, me. And it's like, no, God blesses you with these opportunities. And it's a gift that he gives you to bless others. Yes. And so 
you always have to keep that in mind and remain extremely humble and grateful for, yes. for everything that you're experiencing. Ah, oh, thank you for sharing that, Claire. Yes. So <laughs> true. You guys put them first. Um, but you know, what, what brought you back to the States? <clears throat> what brought me back to the States was not having a job. Oh, and I think, um, I think also my work permit had expired by that mm. time because uh-huh. I was there for a good two years. And I, I remember wanting to, to work and like for them to hire me and they said it would be too expensive. I think oh. they have to sponsor you or something like yeah. that. And so um, they were like, it was nice to know you. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I was really sad. But the same month that I left Paris Vogue was the month that I got my first big check from blogging. It was 5000 Oh, 000. my God. Yeah. And um, I, re- I remember, because I'm, I'm big on writing down goals and all this stuff. And I remember writing down, I was like, all I will need to live is $5,000. And, and I got it. And, and it was like cons- a consistent amount of money every month. And so wow. I was, wow, you know, after two years of struggling here in Paris and two years of trying to figure out how to monetize my blog, I was able to figure it out. And so it was kind of like divine timing that the minute I was able to, to, to move at the same time where I was able to live full time from blogging. And so I moved back to New York and I really never looked back. Wow. Wow. I just have to tell you, I enjoyed watching your breakfast club interview again in preparation for this. It just, it just tickled my my soul. (laughs) And in the interview, you mentioned that, you know, Fashion Bomb Daily is like a very reader centric, you know, publication. And it's not like you and your team are in like some ivory tower telling people what to do and how, you know, what they should look like. So what was your, your reasoning behind that approach? Because, you know, a lot of folks in fashion sort of want, you know, especially around the time you started, wanted to be like a fashion authority. Yeah. I think I realized early on, I'm always very, um, aware mm-hmm. and observant of what readers want. And we started mail bombs, which is now, I guess, wardrobe inquiries or you ask me answer. We started that very early on in the days of fashion bomb daily. And mm-hmm. it, people always love it. They love that they can write to us and ask us what people are wearing and that we can, we can tell them what they're wearing. And so I realized that having that inter- interactive part of it was also, was very important. Another big feature that always did well for us was um, fashion bombshell of the day. Yes. You can feel like, you know, it's not just them looking at Beyonce or Kim Kardashian. If they have great style, then they can participate and be a part of the fashion conversation as well. And I would say between those and also what to wear, people like asking us what they should wear to different events, uh-huh. which we definitely do more of. Um, just realizing what was popular and what performed well for us uh-huh. and then just adding more fuel to that fire. Like I, I'm always looking and seeing where people are and what are they doing and, and what do they want and how can I supply that demand? And so um, that that's what we continue to do to this day. And I think it's one of our key differentiating factors that is also a big key to our success. Oh, love that. And so you mentioned earlier, you know, you finally cracked the code on monetizing your blog. And that's mm-hmm. something that people seem to be, you know, very focused on these days, whether it's their blog or, you know, social media platform. 
you know, do you have any advice for folks who are trying to find ways to monetize digitally their digital content? Yeah, I would say the first thing is to provide real value. Huh. I think that a lot of people, they just want money. <laughs> they yeah. don't want to provide value and like actual content. Um, and so first things first, get get provide something organically that people will come to. And then just see like what's what's out there. Like, okay, you can sell ads. Can you also you can also be an influencer? You can have events, you can create sponsored content, you could offer consultations, you can charge people. There are many different things and areas of expertise where you can add a monetary value. And it's not to say like definitely look at what the industry will allow and what the standard is and and don't get too greedy, you know, <laughs> but like stay 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 grounded, offer people a great service at a great price as more demand increases, you can increase that price. But I would just say to sit down and and, and think about what can you offer to people that they would be willing to pay for. And then don't be afraid to have one price, but then raise the price. As Fat Joe said, yesterday's price is not today's price, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And and also don't be afraid to ask hmm. for for what you want like in a lot of my posts specifically on Claire Somers most of them I'm like if you want to book me for something uh, it used to be to host an event or speak uh-huh. on a panel now it's like you want me to wear your your clothes or your jewelry like I I am not afraid to ask because I look at social media as a business vehicle hmm. um there's a personal aspect as well but you know, and, and people might feel a way about saying that, but if you don't ask, then you won't receive. Mm. Closed mouths don't get fed. So make it really easy, really simple for people to give you money. I mean, I can I can keep going. Um, I love make it. Sure, <laughs> make sure you accept all forms of payment, yes. cash out, PayPal. And um, something I've noticed specifically when wanting to advertise on other pages, like mm. obviously have some standards for what you will post, but like... Mm. Also kind of like let people post what they want to post, like make exceptions. Um, you know, if, if the goal is for you to feed the bottom dollar, then, then, you know, you have to kind of play the game and like, I don't know. Those are just a few thoughts. Um, thank you for all those nuggets. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I know at the beginning you were sort of more behind the scenes of your content and now you were like the face. What was the transition like for you and what was behind the decision? Like, you know what? I'm a part of this brand. The part of the tradition, I think the one big event that kicked it off for me was, I remember H&M, they used to do the designer collaborations. Oh, yeah. They did one with Lon Van, they did one with Victor and Rolf, and these were Marnie. crazy things. <laughs> Um, I remember that one was crazy. Yeah, I don't know why they stopped doing those, but anyway, I, know. I want more. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember reporting on it and having these millions of people from Fashion Bomb Daily undoubtedly buying it based off of our recommendations and our posts about it. But then when they would have their runway shows, they would invite all these bloggers uh. who I'm sure had the same amount of traffic 
but they were the faces of their brand. Um, now, in retrospect, there's probably a lot more reasons why they were invited and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. I, we know, uh, mm-hmm. we know, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I was just like, yo, I got to be the face of my brand. I have to put myself out there, even if it makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And if I'd rather not the criticism of my pedicure, whether or not I have one, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a business decision. Wow. Um, and it's certainly paid off because now the Claire Somers brand is a totally different brand from the hmm. fashion daily brand. And so it's just another way to, to diversify the portfolio. Um, and I would say to anyone, like if something scares you, do it anyway. That say no to fear. Fear is just... A figment of your imagination. Claire, okay. don't don't you preach to me today. Okay. <laughs> okay I'm sorry. I'm taking you to church. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because you know that whole like I, I'm actually a believe it or not, a very private person. So like my team, they're always like, put yourself out there, talk, you know, you know, try this, do this, at least my my uh digital uh person. Hey Megan. And I'm just like, ah, like really y'all like really and it, it, it makes me uncomfortable sometimes I'm like you guys really want to see this like are you sure <laughs> it helps it for me it helped to do it with a purpose so now we yeah. have fashion bomb daily shop so I'm like I'm wearing fashion bomb daily shop or <laughs> if somebody is if it's a sponsored look then then there's a reason it's not just like here I am eating lunch you know well, what I mean I mean TikTok is wild it's like the wild wild west you know, with yeah. the content. I, TikTok is next. I plan to ramp up TikTok during Fashion Week because I'm Yay. like, then I'm real content. But I'm so I, excited. I'm, that's another big part of it too, you know, being open to the new, go go where the people are. So mm-hmm. a lot of us are OGs, like Instagram, blog, OGs, we're kind of rolling our eyes at the whole idea <laughs> of to build a whole new group of people on yeah. another platform but at the end of the day if that's where they are then go there absolutely you know, we've been it. seeing brian boy like almost every day he's like hey guys <laughs> building oh. up the following i'm like yes do what you gotta do i'm i you know in 2016 you wrote a book mm-hmm. and everyone go get the book we'll put the link in, in the show notes the bomb life yes my brand my terms so what <laughs> inspired you to write this? What inspired me to write that book? That's a great question. 10 years of, of blogging, mm-hmm. um, experiencing a modicum of success and wanting to share my journey with everyone. And I think it really was, we started combos with Claire mm-hmm. or cocktails with Claire rather in 2013. And one of the questions I most often got was like, why did you start blogging and how do you monetize your blog? And so I decided to just write a book that told my story and also gave people tips on how they could do the same. And I'm sure it's in need of updates. Like blogging is such an, an antiquated term right now. Right. So wild. Digital publication. A digital publication. <laughs> yeah. I'm a media mobile business owner, CEO, <laughs> I love it. So, you know, was there ever a time when you slightly doubted like what you were doing, like your passion and, and the way things were were going with Fashion Bomb Daily? And if so, like how how did you get through that time? 
Um, yes, there are times there, there are plenty of times, even now, you know, Mm -hmm. I, um, now we're in the process of fundraising and taking meetings with VCs and it's just like, yo, this it's hard, you know, it's really hard to get people to believe in your vision Mm. and it's hard to, to keep going every day. But I think on those times when you're down or discouraged, you know, rest, get some rest. I always say when you get tired, learn to rest, not quit. And also understand that you have a calling on your heart for a reason. Mm -hmm. I do feel like that's an assignment from God. And you wouldn't have these thoughts if it were not divinely ordered or ordained. And so just keep at it. You know, sometimes there, there are situations that are there to test your faith or to test your spirit. but just push through and look at the small like the small um victories Hmm. you know so you might receive a no here but let's see where where you where you got a yes like fashion week's coming up okay I didn't get this show but wow look at all these great shows I got to attend and I think always focusing on the positive things in your life I think is is important and positive is like how crazy if I were to be like I suck and then you look on Instagram you're like you have 1.9 million followers (laughs) um what are you talking about you know what I mean you have to always look at what 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 positive is happening in your life and focus on that and just continue to push through I love it. Even with the flood, I was like, I lost two pairs of boots, but I could have lost a lot more and I didn't. There are people who lost their lives. Yeah. Um, So, you know, try to try to focus on the positive and just keep it pushing. Love that. Um, You've been on top of this diversity game, like since day one, as I previously mentioned, you've just always, you've been at the forefront of, of really pushing people of color into the center of the narrative of fashion where we weren't like really welcome before. So, you know, obviously there have been several appointments and, you know, several, um, you know, model black models on the runways now, like people have diversity and inclusion reports, uh, black lives matter definitely shifted, um, quite, or I would say shook a lot of companies and organizations into thinking more about uh, diversity and inclusion. But do you think that this is a movement that will progress? Or do you think that perhaps this is just a trend? What are your thoughts on some of the things that are happening? Is this sustainable? I think that's a great question. I mean, it's going to be sustainable for me. I, I yes, don't know. Yes. I don't know what the industry is, is going to do. I know that this issue of diversity has been a struggle, kind of an uphill battle, honestly, yeah. since I began and before I began Fashion Bomb Daily. And we've seen um, like Beth Ann Hardison with her black and fashion talks. And when she was doing those, the industry was changing and then it kind of receded a bit. And I think it's just an interesting time right now where there are designers who exist and have their own ecosystem completely outside of the quote unquote traditional fashion industry. And they are are so successful without the cosign of anybody. 
And I think that that is the way forward, not looking for validation, not looking for acknowledgement, (laughs) not looking for anything from CFDA or Vogue or anything like that. And just continuing to do your own thing, your brand, your terms, and you're going to reach your people in your way. And, and, and that's it, regardless of whether or not they think it's trendy or not. I think that, that, that that's the way forward in my mind. I love that. I love that. Are there, do you have any like go-to designers that you're obsessed with that you, you personally love? Well, of course I <laughs> love. Uh-huh. I love Balma. I'm a Balma whore. Um, <laughs> or no, I'm just kidding. Um, I love, I love a lot of the designers in fashion bound daily shop, including Oyamwin and Saisenko, um, London to Couture, uh, but I really wear a little bit of everything. I wear mm-hmm. BBX brand, which is a brand out of London. They have a lot of great suits. Because I'm like, if you want want to make money, wear a suit. Uh, Kai Collective. I honestly wear a lot of black black designers on purpose. Yeah. Becky Gimpetti, um Milano de Rouge. Like, I, I, I'm just going... For me, clothing is about really showing where your values lie obviously about how it looks and does it show off your legs but with with all the choices we have you can use to you you can choose to use your body as a canvas to show um what you truly value and for me in fashion bound daily we value showing the beauty of diversity of designers and giving that emerging next designer a shot and so those are the designers that that i wear I love it. I love it. So, you know, I'm just curious, like, who are some of the people that have inspired you throughout your career? Like, have you, like, did you have mentors? Um, was there someone you grew up watching? Obviously, my my far away mentors, the ones who were not actual mentors, but I just like <laughs> their careers with all, obviously, Andre Leontali. Yes. Um, and Robin Gavon, yes. um, Terry Agins, yep. who is the fashion writer at the Washington, no, the Wall, Wall Street Journal. Yes, Terry. She is an actual, she's someone I would consider a, a mentor. Yeah. And then there are women who are CEOs of their own companies and in banking and even some of my friends from college who I would consider mentors. But I, I would say coming up in the industry, certainly a Robin Gavon and uh, Andre Lantali, they were like, my go-to people that I was like completely obsessed with yeah. wanted to do everything that they did. I, I remember reading about Andre and how he moved to Paris when he was 28. So I moved to Paris when I was 28 and I, he was working at women's wear daily and I tried to work at women's wear daily, but I got, <laughs> got to vote, um, you know, and just trying to, to follow in their footsteps. They, they are, they're iconic. Yes. Better yes. for work, whether or not they were my actual mentor or not, they they by them doing what they did and being successful at what they were doing, they inspired me to be who I am today. Absolutely. And Robin, everything she writes, like she's brilliant. Wow. Like you guys will get chills. Robin yeah. is just, I, I would say one of the best writers, period. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I met her. I used to harass her to meet with her all the time. <laughs> she would, she would meet with me, but yeah. one time I read like a hundred of her articles or something insane. <laughs> before I met her. And I, I like, love oh, it. 
Yeah, she's she's super. She's super like so chill. So she was probably yeah. like, oh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you know, this is a fashion moment. And one thing that we always ask our guests is what is one of your favorite fashion moments of all time? Just one of them, because I know you have several. Uh, it could be something that you witness. It could be something that you experience, um, but just a, a magical fashion moment where you're just like, oh my God, like this is it. I would say going to the Balmain show in, I want to say 2020, maybe. I wow. think it was right before, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's 2019, but I, I sat front row I'll never forget it because I flew I flew out last minute on a flight to Paris. They lost my bags. Oh my um, I basically had to wear what I wore on the plane to the show. I looked insane. Um, <laughs> but I was front row and I remember we posted, I went live and I remember people were like, this video is better than the one that Balmain has on their feed. And I was like, yes. Um, but that was one of those moments where I was like, I made it. (laughs) Not really, I made it, but for so when I first started going in Fashion Week, I didn't have any invitations. I didn't have any access. I had no way in. I could just kind of look from the outside in. Uh And so to have those moments when you are not only in there, but you're on the front row at one of the biggest brands in the world, it was that was a true fashion moment for me. I, I got chills just thinking about that. Was that the same season from the documentary that came out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in, you can see me in there. I'm gonna rewatch it. I'm gonna rewatch it just yeah. so I can see you because that documentary was so good. <laughs> it was super brief, but I'm in there. I'm in there. It. I love it. Well, Claire, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for taking time out of your day to be with us and to just share your story so openly. Um, I'm inspired and I'm sure that our listeners are too. So thank you. Thank you for having me and be sure to join us. We're having our first fashion week show, September 11th. It's called the bomb fashion show. You can get tickets at the bomb fashion Please join us. And where can people find you, Claire? You can find me on Instagram at fashion bomb daily and at Claire Somers and coming soon to TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thank you, Claire. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me for this week of a fashion moment. If you like what you hear, we'd love for you to join our community of listeners and spread the word about the show. We also want to hear from you. Share your favorite fashion moments and dream guests with us by sending an audio clip or email to a fashion moment podcast at gmail.com. Or you can tag us on Instagram at a fashion moment and you could be featured on next week's episode. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and let us know what you think. Until then, see you next time for another fashion moment. Podcast production by Rebecca Rashid and John Taylor Williams. Digital media production by Megan Porras. This recording carries a Creative Commons 4.0 international license. 
Thanks to Patrick Patricios for their song, Hot Coffee.